This is Work of the Beat. It is Friday, September 10th, 2021. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us, along with Mike Kern. As we get you set for the first big weekend of football between the NFL and of uh, and college football, obviously goes into its second weekend. We'll make our picks in a few minutes. We'll talk Eagles-Falcons. Maybe a little bit of what we saw last night from the Cowboys. At the end of this show, uh, Glenn Macnow from 94 WIP will join us. We had a great discussion, him and I, about uh, Big Daddy Graham, who passed away, obviously, uh, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, um, and just some memories of uh, a Philadelphia original. And um, speaking of Philadelphia originals, Mike, how are you? I'm a Northeast original. You are a Northeast original. Yeah, what are you going to do? I was with... um Joe Conklin last night because uh, Eddie Barkowitz was doing his fantasy draft. So I stopped down because Bobby Cooney was there and Bernard Fernandez and Pat McClune showed up and Damo. So it was pretty neat to see those guys. But, it's um, the Inquirer Alumni, Inquirer Daily News Alumni Association. It ain't the Inquirer Alumni. I now, understand. Don't, eat, don't even <laughs> I'm say sorry. that. There, there it's a habit. It's a habit. There ain't anybody in that group that has anything to do. But that's okay. I harbor no ill will. Uh, but we were us. And, um, but anyway, I got a chance to talk to Joe for a few minutes. And, and Joe was, I mean, you could tell, I mean, it was still, you know, and apparently they had known for a couple of weeks it wasn't good. And, um, but yeah, I mean, Joe was, you know, and, and I mean, I think Joe put it the best and other people have said it. We use the term one of a kind a lot. You know, Mike's one of a kind, mm-hmm. Kevin's one of a kind. We're all, you know, we all have our niche, I guess. Uh, but, he really was. Oh, yeah. And the point that Joe tried to make was that Big Daddy basically faked his way through life. Like, all yeah. the stuff he was doing, you know, he really probably wasn't equipped to do. You know, whether it was the overnight or this or that or whatever. But he did it. Yeah. Somehow, some way, he figured out a way to do all those things. And I think he would ask people sometimes, like, like how am I doing this or why, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, I, look, I don't know if Big Daddy was everybody's cup of tea. You know, he certainly appeared. I think that's the toughest shift in radio to do. I, I really do. Um, to do that overnight. And, oh, and I, I don't listen all the time, but I listened enough to know that, you know, we could tune in. He might be talking about music one night. Then he might snacks. be talking about something else the next night. Yeah. And whatever. I mean, and I, I mentioned this, you know, when Glenn and I talked, and we, Glenn and I talked before I talked to Mike here, but we talked about the physical toll of going to of going to bed at weird hours and then getting up and then he would do quizzos and all that. He he was yeah. nonstop motion for a long time, and that is tough. Uh, yeah, especially when you get into your fifties and your sixties. But that's how you become. I mean, that's Conklin how you become does, successful. Conklin does the same thing. Yeah, he does. I mean, he's all over the place. Yeah. He, he, I was never that type of guy where I was, and maybe that's my fault. Maybe that's why I wasn't. You you are more that type of person. You you will do a million different things. Um, yeah, and you've I, warned me to, to cool down some sometimes, too. I mean. In yeah. certain things. Yeah. Not everything. In certain things. You can, you can only burn the candle so much. But I understand. People. They're making a living. They're trying to make money. They're trying, you know, and when somebody wants you, mm-hmm. you know, like like Conklin's in demand. I mean, people want him. Yeah, yeah. they want, okay. Uh, he even talked to me. I did a story with Joe a few years ago for, for a local magazine, and um, Joe even said he's getting to the point in his life where 
you know, and this was a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. where you're just not sure, you know, now the pandemic changed some things. Obviously, he, God, he was talking about doing shows on Zoom and how hard that is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, Big Daddy, if, if you and, – and I was on the air with him, like, 20 years ago on, on uh, in the WCAU, the old WCAU. Uh, the sports <laughs> attack, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and Girardi and I, like, we had a Saturday edition also that we would – me and Girardi did a lot of them. I don't know if we did all of them, and then one of those guys would be on with us. But So I got to know Big Daddy enough – to know him not as well as you did or mm-hmm. other people did but yeah he was just you know we, we talk all the time about you know who goes down as like a philadelphia i, I think icons are word is thrown around too much but i mean obviously angelo's going to go down mm-hmm. um and, and in, in their own ways anthony and mike yeah i think kind of fit into there uh, howard obviously and, and I'm, i know there's some other i mean i think of ray as an icon yeah i don't know if ray thinks of himself as a radio guy or if he thinks of himself you know, you talk about another guy who does many things, but Big Daddy has to be in there somewhere. Yeah, and, and not in a conventional way. No, but he has to be in there. So you know, and, uh, you know, he was a fixture at Wing Bowl, I guess, right? Oh, he used to. He used to be the leadoff act. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so let's get to a couple things here. Oh, before One, we get to a couple things. Thank you I to. Want, for, I was going to say thank you to Paul Hagen again for having yeah. us out on on a Wednesday night for. Uh, for our first live show, and it won't be our last. Uh, we we've been asked to come back down, and uh, we're going to arrange. We got to figure out how to make money on this, Kevin. Somehow, some way. That's your job. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> but I will say this: Paul, I've been to Chapsfit B. I have not been to Paul's. Kevin had. All right. It is real. Look, I'm not sitting it because Paul, it's Paul Hagen's place. I don't mean that. Look, when we're in a pandemic, and I know all those people that own businesses like that are trying to do the best they can. It's not always easy, folks. It, it, you know, it just isn't. Because they, they and, and Paul's trying to make it go, that place is really good. It might not be everybody's. I'm not saying it, it necessarily beats your cheesesteak or beats your hoagie or beats your road. But I'm telling you, folks, it, you go there, it, it's something a little bit different, and it's really good. It really, really is. And, I'm not, and, I, and the one that Paul sent me home with, Kevin, the ham one? Yeah. He was not wrong about that. Well, you, the one you mentioned about the beef and the sausage – I had when yeah. I got home. Oh my goodness, it was so good. It's, it's the so, like like so. Paul's got the, the beef is obviously the star attraction, mm-hmm. but then as Paul said, our ham's good, our turkey's good. Yeah, I think Jack's wife got Jack and Jack's wife got turkey. Turkey, I believe. Yep. And I'm a turkey guy, not like all year round, but at, at a place like that. I'll, then Paul said the corned beef was. Real. I wanted to try everything. Yeah. Um, the beans are tremendous, and I can only imagine what some of the other sides are. Like. I have mac and cheese. You, yeah, I'm usually a big side. I'm guy. a mac and cheese guy, so okay. And but the next time we go there, Paul's not treating me. I'm, I'm like, you know, I mean, Paul said, "Oh, I got this," and I, you know, I put big tip in the tip jar. But Paul was so gracious to us because he's Paul. But mm-hmm. you know, you re- you really, you know, they say it all the time. You have to support people like that. And yeah. I know it's not always easy for the people because you know maybe you've lost your job or you're not making as much money or you don't eat out as much. But please, if you if you're anywhere in Delaware County, it is worth going there to try it out. Yeah. And if you don't like it for whatever reason, hey, yeah. But it's a nice place. It's it's well, you know. It's it's not like going to the the original one, which is a dump. You know, we all love dumps, but it's it's just nice. And and, the, and he's real friendly. The people there are friendly. Obviously, not just Paul, yeah. But his his people that work there, I think you really like it. Yeah. I'm not just trying to peddle it because it's Paul's, um, but. 
you know that that's an added bonus. And we will let you know when we're going back down. We'll, we'll try maybe a maybe a Friday night or something where you know maybe the schedule is a little easier for a lot of people. Obviously, the storms, I think you know may may have kept us from having a bigger crowd. We wanted everybody there uh, that we can, but you know, hey, let's uh, let's get let's you know we'll give you a, a date when we're going to go back there at a, at another time. Uh, let's get to Eagles and um, Falcons on Sunday. Um, it's tough to have a read on this game because one, neither team showed anything in the pre in the preseason. Tough to have a read on anything that involves the Eagles, Kevin. Whether it's their season, their their game, their but, quarterback. But Atlanta's coach. in the same boat too at this point. Yeah, but I, but I'm talking about me and you, okay? And people who are trying to dissect this and trying to look at it from the outside in. Because I don't care about the Falcons, and the Falcons are the Falcons. They they haven't been good since the Super Bowl, which was four years ago, I guess. Uh, it, it's just there are so many. I love people. Oh, the Eagles are going to win this. They might. Oh, the Eagles are going to lose. Well, they they might. Nobody, please tell me that you got to read on the Eagles. I, I don't want to hear. It. I, I don't. If you think they're going to win this week because the Falcons just aren't that good, and hey, maybe the Eagles are better than people. That's wonderful. God bless them. They might win week two too. Who who the, who the heck knows? The only things I know for sure is they're, they aren't going to beat the Chiefs when the Chiefs come here. I'm pretty sure of that. And they're probably not going to beat the Bucs on that Thursday, although the, they are getting the Bucs at home on a short week. Who the hell knows? But I have no expectations whatsoever of anything that's going to happen. I might have, by week five or six, maybe I'll have a better read. And if, I think the first five or six weeks are going to be tough. Well, for, yeah, for I mean. a number of reasons. Yeah, they, they got three road games at Atlanta, at Dallas, at Carolina, and the three home games are the 49ers who are pretty good. I mean, I you know, I, I know there's quarterback issues, but they're pretty good. They went to the Super Bowl two years ago. Yeah. And their defense, they were ravaged by injuries last year. I mean, they they were killed. They were they were last year's version of the Ravens. What, the, what has happened to the Ravens happened to the 49ers last year. they were year. even worse. I mean, God, they lost their, the Ravens still haven't lost their quarterback. No, but you lost your top two running backs and the best defensive player. Third string quarterback and still almost won. Who's now who's now on the Eagles, right? Oh, he probably was with the Eagles. Yeah, but you get the Niners, the Chiefs, and the Bucks as your three home games. You know, and that's before you go to uh, to Vegas. I mean, the early portion of the schedule is so difficult for for the Eagles. They were one and seven on the road last year against the spread. By the way, in case you you were wondering, um, and I don't know what last year even has anything to do with this year. It may not. Oh, I don't think it has any. I, I just I'm just telling you that they're, they're in the Eagles' last eight road games, or at least their last eight road games. I, I'd have to go back to 2019, but they won their. I don't know what they did against the spread those last four games, but they were one and seven on the road last year, and I think the game they covered was San Francisco. Right. Jalen Hurts is obviously going to be the center of attention because he didn't play that much in the preseason. And this is a year that you're trying to figure out if Jalen Hurts is a guy who you could be put in as your starting quarterback. Because obviously if he's not, they have enough draft picks, they're going to find a way to get another starting quarterback next year. Um, But who else, I mean, who else are you kind of keeping an eye on here from from the Eagle offense especially? Well, I mean, I know what the line is pretty much. If they, you know, if I they stay no, healthy, right? I have no confidence that they're going to go through this season without some injuries on the line. That's just me. I mean, Brandon Brooks gets hurt every year. God bless him. 
He's really good when he's not hurt. But he gets it. Lane Johnson last year, year and a half has been. He's getting in, to that age, yeah. Uh, Myelotis, look, everybody thinks Myelotis is going to be really good. I have no reason to doubt. Kelsey's a good center. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the receivers, what do we know about the receivers? I mean, you know, they got a rookie who's who's like five foot nine, one hundred and seventy, and won the Heisman Trophy. Okay, so okay, they got a, one of their tight ends wasn't even supposed to be here. He's supposed to be gone. The other tight end now is saying about his contract. He he wasn't real thrilled with how the Eagles handled that. And then you got uh, JJ Ortega Whiteside who has done zilcho, uh, and you have Rager who they took instead of Jefferson, who better get better. He, he, he better take a step up. And you got a running back who, you know, See, he's I a think home he... run hitter. He'll get you a 70-yard touchdown. And, and, but, God, he drops some passes. And, and, God, he has stretches where he goes like three quarters and gains like 20 yards. But that may have had something to do with, you know, a lot of the Eagles' problems last year, whether it be with Wentz, the running, whatever. Offensive line. And their offensive line being as, as mangled as it was. Um, so, But I, I, I'll make the argument that I think the guy who – is most under the microscope besides Hertz, obviously is Miles Sanders because look, they're pushing Kenny Gainwell a lot. The The coaches and everything I made it known. They, they love Kenny Gainwell. Okay. Yeah. Um, so maybe he's better than Sanders. And, and that's kind of where I'm wondering, like Sanders has this possibility to be a thousand yard back but he also has this possibility he could get benched. I don't think. I mean, I think both of them are going to play. I, I think you're going to see a lot of both of them this year, especially as the season as it gets later in the season. Because, like you said, they they seem to like this rookie, and but I don't think they're giving up on Sanders at all. Why would you give up on him? He's just got to. I'm assuming because we haven't seen enough of their offense. The backs catching the ball in the NFL right now is a big deal. That's what yeah, backs he's got. He's got to do it. I mean, if yeah, so he can do it, but he can't be dropping. You know, if if Hurts hits him, yeah, a lot of times in, in games you forget. But like maybe it's like the middle of the third quarter. It's a three point game. It's a third and five. You throw it past the miles and he drops it. And then when the game's over and the Eagles lose, you, you know, nobody looks back on that play and says, "Well, that's where they lost the game." But it's little plays like that that you know, Miles. He's, he's what? He's his third year now, right? Yeah. Okay. He's got it. You know, you're an NFL runner now. You're not a young guy. I mean, you are a young guy, but you're still. It, it's. And I think if he's good and the and the rookie's good, then you have a good one-two thing because chances are one of them is going to get dinged up at some point. And I surprised. Did it surprise you that they didn't keep Howard? Yeah, a little bit. But I think there was. I think they're trying. They were trying to have a shell game with the numbers and and. Okay, that's fine. Um. Yeah. The other factor, everybody's talked about this defense. Like, oh, you're, you're going to get all this pressure up front because of these rotating guys and da-da-da-da. Okay? It doesn't matter if they don't force turnovers. And they were a minus 10 last year. And, you know, they they really... They're really at a point where if they don't force turnovers and give Hurts short fields... It's going to be difficult for this yeah, offense to sustain. but they're going to play different, Kevin. The, 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 other, the, the offensive coordinator was here. I mean, the defensive guy, Schwartz, played his cornerbacks eight yards off the ball. That's how they played and the most f- of the time. That's not what this guy apparently is going to do. They're going to 
you know, Slay's going to be up in somebody's face. Now, whether that works or not, I, 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 I don't know. We'll find out. But I, I don't, you know, the, the interesting thing I was thinking about this the other day, you know, Schwartz gets knocked. And that, that's fine. You mean like the way Schwartz played defense? Hey, whatever. I, it, that That's fine. And they gave up 33 points in the Super Bowl to the greatest quarterback that's ever played. Fine. Nobody ever talks about the Falcons or the Vikings games in those playoffs. Which, nobody which ever carried Nobody them. ever mentioned it. You or the never defense carried somebody them. say, Schwartz's team won at least the Falcons game. At least the Falcons game. They won and the they Bears game the following year, too, Mike. What's that? They won the Bears game the following year, too. You're right. I, I wasn't even going there, but you are absolutely right. But all I'm saying is Schwartz gets knocked, and I get it. I I, I understand he played a defense that, that didn't create turnovers, like you're saying, and all this. I'm, I'm with you. But, my God, can't you just at least give the guy – all you ever hear about is how they gave up 33 points in the Super Bowl. Okay, well, your team scored 41. Well, and his style also pissed people off because of the fact that he would – on third and 18, he would play sticks defense, and they did give up a lot of first downs. That well, time. That's the way Jim Schwartz, Schwartz did it. Yeah. But against the Falcons, they gave up, I think, 13 points, 12 points, 10 points, whatever the right. Falcons game was. Okay. I think almost nothing in the second half. Right. Maybe a field goal. Against the Vikings, they gave up the early touchdown, shuts them out the rest of the game. They get the interception that they returned for the touchdown. Yeah. They the forced three turnovers. Right. And like you said, the next year against the Bears, I think they gave up 15 points or what, whatever the final score of that game was. Right. So I know Jim Schwartz wasn't, but please don't don't just gloss over the fact that he stunk in the Super Bowl or, or his team stunk, his unit stunk in the Super Bowl. Because they don't get to the Super Bowl, probably. If, you know, if you, I mean, you only scored 15 at home against the Falcons or whatever they scored, but you won the game. So anyway. Do I you... Just, do you- do you worry about the inexperience on the coaching staff, at least early? No. No? Because guys got to start somewhere, Kevin. I mean, it, you know, Kevin, when um when they got Andy Reid, nobody was for that. No. Andy was young. Now, I don't know. He did have Jimmy Johnson as a defensive coordinator, so I, I, I get that, and I understand what you're saying is there's a lot of youth on this, on this staff. There's no I've mentor told- on this staff. Well, that's fine. You know, let's give Sirianni the benefit of the doubt that maybe he doesn't need a mentor. I don't know. I don't know if McVay has a mentor. I don't know if the guy in San Francisco has a mentor. I don't know if Matt Nagy has a mentor. I don't know if Matt Rule has a mentor. I don't know. These guys are all basically Sirianni, you know, or they were two years ago or three years ago. So the defensive coordinator, everybody seems to like this guy. They all seem to think that this guy is going to be in two or three years not here. He's going to be – he's going to have his own team. So I don't – I don't know this. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt that he doesn't have Don Zimmer sitting by him in the dugout. You know, or, I mean, in a perfect world, would you like to have maybe one older voice? Well, I mean, um, you mentioned Sean McVay. Sean McVay had Wade Phillips. That's fine. I mean, you know, that, which there's something to be said for that guy. Yeah. But if you know you're not going to contend, I kind of know why you just want to stay with this. And, I, and I, what did Wade Phillips do? I mean, oh, Wade yeah, Phillips I, I, helped I'm get saying, them to a Super Bowl. I mean, oh, oh, he was on. Oh, I got. He was I on McVay's staff that got to the Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah, but but, but he, again, maybe he and I don't know this, but maybe he went out and tried to get somebody of that, and nobody wanted. Nobody come. wanted to come here. That's. A, I have no idea. I, I think most coaches, before they get their job. I think they have a pretty good idea of what they want to do. I'm sure when Matt Rule got the Carolina job, Matt had a list of guys mm-hmm. that he was going to go to. 
Right. Whether that included 55-year-old guys or 40-year-old guys or, or established guys or new guys coming up from college, I, I don't know the makeup of Matt's staff. So I, I, I can't comment on that. But they all do that. So I think if this team doesn't do well, I don't necessarily think it's going to be because the guys are inexperienced. I, maybe that'll have something to do with it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't. But I'm not going to hold that against them until maybe, you know, they're really not doing well and somebody from inside the locker room says, you know, eh, whatever, something. You know, there's no rule that says young coaches can't be good coaches. No. But well, I'm just but, saying. But I, I, but I, no, of- I'm saying that I do worry about the young coach going through it for the first time as a head coach, not having that yeah. manner to kind of bend the Okay, year. so you go through it for the first time. And Jalen Hurts yeah. is going through it sort of for the first time. Yep. But yeah. I, I don't know if having Wade Phillips sitting there, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't have an answer to it. And if they fail, people will say that. And if they don't fail, people will say that didn't matter. All right. You know, I mean, who's Joe Girardi got on his I mean, well, uh, Joe that, is, that, is, is that is that a good example right about now? Well, Joe, but Joe Girardi's the guy. He doesn't. Need, I know. The, he doesn't need a mentor. Well, no, he has Rob Thompson, who he relies on. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah, he's he's you know. I mean, by the way, that was a nice ending to that game last night. I'm not going to even go down that road. Well, I mean, you, look, you still I, feeling confident that week in Atlanta is going to mean something? Oh, absolutely. There's okay, no, Kevin, the Braves have lost 11 of their last 17 games. Okay, so and gained a game in the standings on the Phillies. No, they didn't. Oh, no, no, but this week. They lost two games before last night. Right. So they've lost it. All I'm saying to you is I'm not saying the Phillies are going to win the division. I'm not saying the Phillies are going to go to Atlanta tied for first. I'm telling you that they will go there at worst like three games out. Those games will mean something. Now, they might not mean anything after the Braves win the first two. You know, then their season might be over. But there's no way on God's green earth looking at the Braves' schedule the Philly schedule, what the Braves have been doing, the Phillies will get there by default is what I'm trying to explain to you. Okay. You, you, you're, you're taking me a whole different way. I'm just saying to you is the schedule, there's no way that they're not going to win enough games. They may look ugly doing it. They might be. We might be sitting it out. If, if they, God forbid, lose three to the Mets, which, hey, maybe that can happen. Uh, I'm trying to think of the others. The Cubs are playing better now. Well, tonight is the first of five remaining bullpen games they have. Yeah, and that's a problem. There's a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. This team has all kind of problems. Yeah, and we'll I'm deal. saying I believe that they will go to Atlanta. Okay. And I don't mean being five out with six to go. I, I don't mean that because that's not really having a chance. I'm saying like three out, two out, where, where that Friday game, or, or I guess it's a, a Tuesday game or a Monday game, Will mean something. Okay, that's all I'm saying. And then, and by the way, why? I'm just going to bring this up because I, I when I see stuff that just drives. You. So the Colorado in that game last night, they get the first two batters in the first inning. Okay, mm-hmm. they pitch to Bryce Harper, and he hits a home run. Now, I walk Bryce Harper every single time he comes out, unless it's a situation where I can't. You know, his runners on, on, I don't know, first and third. I, I know what you're saying. I'll take my chances with Miller every single time. Or McCutcheon or, yeah. He I, hits a home run like every game now. Almost every game. Every yeah. other game. Why, if you're the Rockies, first base is open in the first inning, you're going to, and, and you're going to throw a fastball or whatever the hell the guy threw, that, that he, I, I just don't understand that. It's like Fergosi used to do with Barry Bonds. 
And I'm not suggesting that Harper's Barry Bonds. But he would just look and, and laugh at Bonds and say, take out first base. Take yep. it. It's over. It, it's it, Unless you have to pitch to Harper, you don't pitch to Harper. And by the way, Rio Muto. He's injured. He's, it's, I feel so sorry for him because I really think he's hurting. And, he, and I think, but this is what happens when you sign a catcher to a contract. And now they're looking at it like, man, we don't know if he can like catch full time in another year or so. Mm-hmm. This is the problem mm-hmm. when you give catchers money. Yeah. I'm not saying they shouldn't have. No. But you're, now you're seeing kind of the wear and tear, and he's supposed to be like their second best player, you know, probably. And two times in the last three games, I think he struck out with, with the, either a tying run on third or whatever. And, and that's, you know, that, that can't be happening. Yeah. You can't be relying on the Millers and, and the and, and guys like that to get the big hits. Um, so so do you, how many of the three remaining games are the Rockies? They got to win at least two. At least. Well, you get Wheeler and Nola going the next two. Or after you two. You got to win at least two. Even a split won't look good. No. But you got to win at least two. Who do they get after this? The Cubs, who are playing better. Or is it here or there? Here. Okay. For three? For three. Then you go to New York next weekend. And that's a big one. That's a big one because the Mets. Are, I, I will say this: the Phillies have to win a lot of series. They 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 have. But to, I don't know they can, Mike. I, I really don't. Kevin, I'm just telling you. You, I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm looking at the schedule. I'm looking at the way this whole season is going. That they will get to Atlanta. They will not be six games out going to Atlanta. That's what I'm saying. No. That's what I'm saying. They'll be like three games out, or something in that ilk. Two, three games where they'll say, okay. This is for everything. Now we got, we got, we got, even though they got Miami after that, and I don't know who Atlanta gets the last weekend. I'm assuming maybe the Mets. Nationals. Oh, Christ. Okay. Well, the Nationals, hey, the Nationals just beat I think the, I think it's the Nationals. Well, that's not good, but still. Um, yeah, and, and you're at the point now, it's almost like last year. You know, every time Wheeler and Nola pitch, you got to win. Well, that didn't happen last year. I mean, not just for Nola, it was for Wheeler, too. So. But so much pressure on these guys because, you know, you have to pitch a good game. And, and they no, they go play. to the Mets, Suarez by the way. has been unbelievable. By the way, the Braves go to the Mets the final week, or host the Mets the final weekend. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was the Nats. No. I, I thought. So that could be tough, unless the Mets are out of it. Which If the Mets are out of it. Great. Then, Look, yeah. what helps the Phillies is next weekend, while they're in New York, the Braves are going to be in San Francisco. Yeah. And then they do go to San Diego the following weekend. So they have a long road trip. Um, that's, all, that's all I'm saying, Kevin, is the schedule. If you look at the schedule, there's no way the Phillies shouldn't be. I'm not saying they're going to pick up ground or they're going to pass them or they're going to be well, whatever. The, the most saying, you can be is three back. Well, obviously, because if you're four back, then you could sweep the Braves and still lose. But, yeah, you got to be – two would be a good number. One would be a better number, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to go to Atlanta and necessarily win two or three. I, or they might have to win three, but I, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying they're going to get to that point, right? Keeping us just like last year. It's going to be almost like. In fact, last year they were actually probably in better position. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, because they, they each division took two teams, and then. The- and by the way, if Nola throws another bad game. I, I mean, at some point, Kevin, it's just. I'm saving for that conversation for the end of the year. Well, no, you can't save it for the end of the year because it's relevant now. I'm just saying if he 
If he, all right, I'm saving it for the end of the weekend. How's that? Against the Rockies. If he has a bad game on Sunday against Kyle Freeman, I know. How do you define bad game? I don't know, but he has to get to the seventh inning. With as much as they're going to burn the bullpen tonight again, and as much as that bullpen's been overexposed, yeah, you you they 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 need seven innings the next two games. Yeah, from Wheeler and him, just to just to have a a a prayer. All right. Go ahead. No, uh, look, I understand what you're saying that they could get to Atlanta. Three I'm not saying back. they're winning. I'm not saying they're winning. I don't know how this is going to. I'm just telling you, this whole season, I find it hard to believe that they're going to fall out of the race. Now, if the schedule was tougher, if they were going to the Giants and and going to the Dodgers or or you know, I have some sneaky, funny feeling. Don't ask me why the Cardinals are going to get in the wild card. Really. What are they, like a half game out? No. The Phillies have two teams between them and the and the, and the, Cardinal, the Cardinals. Cardinals are three out. Cardinals are three out. The Phillies are three the and Phillies a half. Are, what? Three and a half. Right. The Cardinals are ahead of them. I don't, yeah, but I, you don't hear me talking about the Phillies for the wild card. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, but the, it's not so much that they're three and a half out of the wild card. It's that there's two teams between them and that three and a yeah, half. Yeah, I... I'll be honest, Mike. Would it stun me if the Phillies finished 500? No, it wouldn't. How many games are they above 500 now? Two. With as easy as this schedule, quote-unquote, is going to be the rest of the year, it would not surprise me if they finished at or below 500. It it would surprise me if they finished below. Unless, unless like, the last – unless they went to the Braves and, like, lost three, let's say – and then the, the Marlins series didn't mean anything, and they and so let's say they lost like five of their last six, something like that. That would be the only way I would see them no. finishing below five hundred, and that could happen. I'm not saying that can't happen, but up until that point, I don't think they're going to go to Atlanta with a five hundred record. All right, so that's uh, that's the baseball story. We've mentioned the NFL story. Uh, one of the reasons we did this show on a Friday was we wanted to give you. The first weekend of picks for both college football and the NFL. And, Mike, that means one thing. Uh, Billy Joel is back. Just point me where you want to go. Take me to the action. Take me to the track. Take me to a party. If they're betting in the back, I've been working all my life. Can't afford to wait. Let me call my wife so I can tell her. So this is our first weekend of picks. Uh, we sat out last weekend. And I want to preface this by saying, and I mean this in all seriousness, and I, do, I don't take this stuff like super duper duper seriously. So when I give you picks or whatever, I, you know, if I really feel strongly about something, I'll say, but I usually don't. So please don't take this stuff to heart. And, and if I, God forbid, I go five and one or something, that's wonderful. That's great. But if I go one and five, I don't want people saying, oh, you know, I, please, or I won't do the picks anymore. I'll just say to hell with it because it, that that's what it, you know, a good picker is only going to be right like 57% of the time, maybe, if he's lucky. And I, I was listening to somebody last night who I actually respect um, who got the Bucks game totally wrong. You know, and they were talking about the Bucks game. They were talking about the Bucks game. They were Tease the Bucks down. Well, the Bucks didn't win on the teaser because they they lost by half a point. Right. Uh, they had the the under that didn't pan out. They did have punts under eight and a half, which actually did cover. Um, but I'm just saying, 
Anybody that thinks they can figure this stuff out, especially week one, week one's a hard week, man. Yeah. It really, is. I think it is anyway. I don't know. So let's start with the colleges. Um, and I'm not going to play background music because I know that drives you crazy, Mike. Uh, do you want to go first? Get, give me, give me a college pick to start it. Um, and again, I, I, like I said, I wrote one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games down, just off the top of my head, just writing games down. And my theory in college football is there's a lot of bad teams out there. So, and I'm, and I'm, we should probably talk about Penn State at, and Temple at some point. So I'll, I'll kind of stay away from them. I, the, the, the first game I got here, and I. I Houston is giving aid at Rice. Houston got beat pretty good last week, but it was to a fairly good team, I think. They're, Rice stinks. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I, I think that Houston's going to rebound. Because I think Houston's a Rice good. almost got yeah, booed out of their own building last week. Yeah, I know. But I, I think I would I would look at Houston laying a little over a touchdown to Rice. And again, if you you know you know me with teasers, I, I like teasers and te- they call them teasers for a reason. So if there's another game, and, and I'll, I, I would throw out another game, I'll give you another game that's about the same point spread, maybe a little. Is Texas at Arkansas? I was actually going to pick that game, but good. Texas is given like a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I know on the road, and, and this used to be a big rivalry back in the day when they were both in the SWC. I like Texas. I think Texas is a pretty good team. They got that. New coach down there, Sarkeesian. I think he's got a lot to prove. Arkansas is okay. I don't think Arkansas is much. So I kind of like uh, the Texas, too. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to go to the opposite side on this one. And, and okay. the reason why is I think a lot of Texas people, after they beat Louisiana last week, and that was a pretty good win. Remember, Louisiana's top 25 yeah, coming in. It's still, and, yeah, it's still Louisiana. It, it right. is still Louisiana. They got pu- They got puffed up a little bit. And the one trend that's been with Texas is after they get puffed up, and I know it's a new head coach and everything, there is a crash back to earth factor. I don't think Arkansas wins the game outright, but I think it's close. I think it's really close. I could see it being a field goal game, and I'll take Arkansas, and I'll get the seven while they're at home. Okie doke. All right, go ahead. <laughs> you have another uh, college there? Well, there? Another game along those lines, and I'm, I'm going to throw like eight games out, whatever. Okay. Is Mich- Michigan's given like six and a half to Washington? And that, the only thing that number is like back up. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That number is six and a half. You're right. The only thing I don't like about that game is Washington lost at home last week to an FCS team. That's usually like a trigger should go off in my head. Only you know, one of won. only one of five teams uh, who were ranked to lose to an FCS team. I know it was, and my fraud five didn't include I think two of them, which it yeah. should have. Um, you can check that out on Glenn Papagian's website. College, it's college sports, right? Yeah. Um, I should I should know that off the top of my head. Um, but man, and look, I'm not the biggest Jim Harbaugh fan in the world. I mean, I but it just seems like Michigan should be able to win that game. But again, maybe six and a half is too much. And there's another game I can't believe I would. I, I'm, I'm not taking. I'm just throwing it out there. The Colorado State and our good buddy Steve Adazio, my good buddy, <laughs> yeah. is giving six and a half to Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Which Vanderbilt scored three points at home last week against an FCS team. Yeah. Okay. They stink. Colorado State lost by three touchdowns at home to an FCS team. I gotta believe that Colorado State's going to win that game. Um. But again, you know, sometimes laying a touchdown is not the greatest thing in the world because you know you you win by three or you lose outright. What the I, hell? I'm actually going to take Stanford. I'm going to take seventeen and a half. Uh. Because, look, I know they got romped by Kansas State last week in Dallas, okay? 
I know that the easy thing is to look at USC and figure USC is a lot better than they've been. Uh, the quarterback is is pretty good. Uh, you know, obviously it's a big year for Clay Helton in, in, in uh, at USC. Uh, I find it hard to believe though that Stanford is not going to get up and play a much better game than they did last week on a sleepy noon start against Kansas State in Dallas. Then the, uh, that when they go to the Coliseum on Saturday night, I think they're going to play better. And if you're giving me 17 and a half with David Shaw, I'm going to take it. Okay. I just am. Okay. Fair uh, enough. I don't like Michigan this week, by the way. I know I, what you're I, saying. I just, I, no, no. I, I, I'm not saying play Michigan. Like, I, I, I wrote like nine games down. Right. And the Michigan and Colorado State, I was just kind of saying, hey, these are two games I wrote down. I, and like I said, it scares me. It scares me a little bit because I don't trust Michigan, and Washington probably will have a better game in them. But it just seems like Michigan should be able to win that game by more than a touchdown. There are a lot of ridiculous spreads this weekend. Wisconsin's 26.5 over Eastern Michigan. 55 against Mercer, the Bamas. Yeah, the Bamas are 55. I mean, this is is the weekend. Even, Even the one marquee game, which is Oregon and Ohio State, which is the Saturday noon game, and two top 25 teams, or two top 15 teams, it's a 14.5 point spread in favor of Ohio State. Yeah, but that's because, I mean, look, it's the same reason why Alabama gives 17 points when they're playing a team in the top 20. I don't, oh I don't my think God, they're giving 17 points. No, Ohio State is, look, they're legit. They're, yeah. they're Ohio State. Oregon's not. That doesn't mean Oregon can't go there, and I'd be surprised if Oregon won outright. But. It's Ohio State. <laughs> I mean, at home. And they're really good. Yeah, they are. They <laughs> and, you know, really are. The, now, here's a couple other. Now, again, there's three, three games before I get to Penn State and Temple. Rutgers is laying two and a half at Syracuse. Again, scares me because they scored 60 last week against Temple. And I don't think Syracuse is that good. And I think Greg Ciano is probably going to do a fairly good job at Rutgers, whatever that means. I think I might take a chance on Rutgers there. Even though they're on the road, mm-hmm. could be, you know, but you're only asking them to win the game, basically. Uh, there's another two others out there. Texas A&M's given 17 at Colorado. Colorado's not bad. That's at Denver, I, by the way, that game. I think Tennessee's, I mean, Texas A&M's pretty good. Yeah, I do I too. Think they, they were really good last year. Uh, and I think that the 17 might not be that daunting. Um, but anyway, and I think one of the best games of the day. Iowa getting four and a half at Iowa State. Two teams both ranked. They both have aspirations. Iowa State actually more aspirations, whatever. Um, that could be and, – and Iowa has pretty much owned that series. I won't say – but but the, I just think – I'm not saying which way I, – I mean, I would lean towards Iowa getting the four and a half. Right. But I think that's one of the best games of the day. I yeah. really, and, and it has ramifications because – if Iowa wins that game, then they'll have two good wins. And to be honest, uh, Iowa's probably the favorite to come out of the West to go to the Big Ten title game to face Ohio State. Who's that? Iowa would well, be I favorite. Think Wisconsin was, but Wisconsin might have trouble doing. It. I mean, right. I think Wisconsin was the, the the pick to finish first. Yeah, but I think Iowa is probably right now. If they win these, if they win this week, Iowa becomes the favorite. At that point. Well, yeah. I mean, this game doesn't have anything to do with the standings, but no. and they host Penn State, mm-hmm. which you know could that's be a, a tough game. That's probably a tough game. 
So, yeah, but but I think Iowa State's pretty good. The, Iowa State is, again, one of those teams a little bit like Carolina and Indiana, right? And they both lost already. They were all basically all the same kind of team. You know, one was ranked 8th, one was ranked 10th, one was ranked uh, 15th, I think. And they all went poof, poof, you know. So maybe, hey, maybe Iowa State goes poof or maybe they don't. All right, I'm, I'm, since you're going to give – we're going to talk Temple and Penn State in a second. Uh, I'm going to give Notre Dame. Notre Dame, I believe, is 22. No, 17. Excuse me. 17-point favorite over Toledo. It is a short week, but I, Brian Kelly's team at home is a different animal, and I, I just think that they'll find a way of, of rolling it up a little bit on Toledo on, on Saturday afternoon. Well, Toledo and Ball State are probably the two best teams in the MAC. Yeah, they probably are. For whatever that means. And Penn State gets Ball State laying 22 and a half like last time I looked. Yeah, that's what I got mixed. I got confused. I, I, look, look, Penn State, I'm not going to make that. That was a great win for them last week. They didn't look good for a half. Wisconsin probably should have won the game. They didn't. That's a credit to Penn State. I think I would take the 22 and a half. Yeah, but, I'll be honest. I think this has a possibility to be a, let, a a little bit of a letdown game. I don't think the Penn State loses the game, but I think it could be a, a way more tighter than twenty two and a half. I think it could be like a um, ten point game. Eh, I'll, I'll say like a like a like a thirty eight twenty one or thirty four twenty one, something like in that area. Right. Um, and I see. I think the Notre Dame game could kind of be the same kind of game, although Notre Dame. The way they escaped against Florida State, you're right. They're, you know, maybe the quarterback did look really good. Um, I, I, I can't believe that they won't tighten up some things on defense this week. Yeah, I, they might, I just, but like I said, Toledo's not bad. All right. Uh, which brings me to Temple, and <laughs> I don't know what to make of Temple. Their quarterback got hurt. Uh, he was the kid that played the first game of year last year at Georgia. Yeah. Rutgers scored the last 35 points. Apparently, from what I'm reading – Temple really doesn't have a backup quarterback, or he's a freshman, or whatever. Which seems to me to be a weird situation. That you, but okay, it's Temple. Akron stinks. I mean, Akron is god awful. Mm-hmm. But my first lean, if, if if Temple's quarterback was going to play, which I don't, the, the the impression is I'm getting he isn't. I would take Temple because I just think I, I don't think Temple stinks. Yeah, I just think they're. I mean, it, it was 26-14 against Rutgers. I think before the quarterback got hurt or something like that. But, man, that I, I, if Temple loses this game, Kevin, they go to Akron and lose, that's not good. No. I mean, that's, that's not in a year where all you're really trying to do is get around 500. Right. That's all you're trying to do. And, and, and by the way, in case people have missed it, their conference is toast. Well, I was, I I was going to bring that out. Do. I was going to bring that up. Like. Yeah. They can't afford the, you know, this is not the old days where if the football program stunk, well, the basketball program can carry it because the basketball was viewed as more the the, the marquee program there. With the way things have gone at Temple, you can't afford to have, to take a serious step back in football this way. Yeah, but they, that has nothing to do with it. It, it, it. They're going to play football because you have to play football. They, you, Temple's not going to have a press conference a week No, they're now. not going to, I'm not saying Okay. That. I'm talking about the league that they're going to be in. Is oh, it's going toast. To lose three, it's going to lose its best team right now. Cincinnati. Houston's been one of the best teams, and UCF won the national championship four years ago or whatever they did. Whatever they claimed. Now, all of a sudden, what is your league? You, you're Now you're a temple. At least when you were in a league with Cincinnati, you were the sixth best 
conference in a five-conference world. Now, I don't know, are they still going to be the sixth-best conference? I don't know because I'm, I'm assuming they're going to go out and try to get people they're, to jump. They're going to raid the Sun Belt. But who are you going to raid? I mean, who are you getting? UAB. And that's good for Temple? There's talk of Boise State. That's good for Temple. All, right. all, uh, all the issues that they have, you know, and I thought Jensen earlier in the year when he talked about the basketball situation with all the big five schools, and he mentioned Temple. And one of the big problems is, the travel cost and everything that goes into going to Boise or, or Houston or, you know, Tulsa and all you that. you got to answer me a question. Why would Boise want to join the American? I can't answer that. Because every game that they go is like... If you're Boise, you're holding out for the Pac-12 at this point, aren't you? It's a 1,500-mile trip. Right. But if you're Boise, aren't you holding out for the Pac-12? I, I guess. I Kevin, I, I all I'm saying is... The Temples and, and their basketball program is such right now. Now, so since that, I'm just thinking, I, I was only thinking of this in football. So in basketball, you, you're also losing Houston and Cincinnati, which were your two best teams. Yeah. Uh, UCF, finally, you know, I don't know. UCF what wasn't a big loss, but, but yeah. I'm just saying, if, if I'm Mike Oresco, who's always touting how great, where do you go from here? What what do you do? Well, Mike Mike was spinning it today that this is a sign of just how strong the American really was. He's full of shit. I'm just saying, and Mike's got a job to do. He's the commissioner. I get it. He has to stand up and and say all those kind of things. I get it. This is, if you're the American, you're sitting there saying, oh, my God. Right now, we're the sixth conference. We might get Cincinnati in a a really great bowl game this year. Or, God forbid, if they run the table, we'll get them in the playoff. But, you know, they'd have to beat Notre Dame. I'm just saying is, you, you, you're losing. It isn't like you're losing, um, I don't know, you know, you're losing Tulane or you're losing Temple mm-hmm. or, or you're losing something like that. This is the conference. People already look at the conference as not being all that. Now you're losing the only reasons people really think the conference is worth, Anything. you know, and I don't know. So if, if you go out and get a, a team from Conference USA or a team from the Sun Belt or whatever it is you do, I just don't know what I don't know. No. I mean, they they got it. I'm sure, and I'm sure they knew this news was coming. They're not stupid. They they knew this three weeks ago when Texas and Oklahoma, you know, said they were they were leaving. But my God, it's it's uh, just. Uh, yep. I, I don't have an answer. I, I mean, I know, and this may not take place for a couple of years. I don't know how how all this works. But man, and and like you said, if Temple basketball were Temple basketball. That we knew from even when Dolph little, was there, it'd be a little easier to take. Yeah, because then maybe you have a little, or even look at it this way, Kevin. If Matt, if the football program were where it was five years ago, you know, when Matt was there before Matt left, it'd be a little easier to take. That could you'd be sitting there going, "Hey, we won nine, ten games last year." You know, we were we were in the okay, but now you're coming off a of one, yeah, a COVID year. I get it. They, yeah, whatever. But now if you don't have a good year this year. If you're a three or four win team, I I just don't know like what you know. I, I'll tell you one thing: they ain't building that stadium. Nope. You don't even hear talk about that anymore. Nope. But this is a big game for them, only in the fact of just didn't get a W. Yep. Get a W on the board and get because they have a game coming up. I think they have a game either next week or the week after that's probably winnable too. I, I think it's like a, either an FCS team or or something. 
but they have to win this game. And look, they may be doing it with a with a, a an untested quarterback. This, but then if that's the case, then okay, the rest of your guys got to kind of step up. You, you know, your defense has to play really good. Obviously, the defense gave up a lot of points, but I think turnovers were involved in some of those points last week. Uh, they, their special teams, I don't think, played very well from what I read, which by, is a problem. By the way, beyond this week, they get BC next week. And I don't know how good BC is. Right. Wagner at home on the That's 25th. The That's the game. Now, I mean, you, got, you, you can't lose that game. No. How many people – so BC's at home? BC's at home. Okay, Wagner's obviously at home, right? Yeah. How many people in the stands for the Wagner game? Mm, five. Legit, legit, legit. Five legit. grand. I'll give. I'll. I'll give them like ten. Okay. I'll. I'll give them ten because the students. It's early in the year. Students will probably. Some students will probably come. Noon game. Noon game. They man. are. It is like their youth game. They're having. It's called young now. Yeah. So I don't get a lot of kids in. That, Wagner can't do it. And who? who after right. Wagner, what does it? All turn right. Into? They get Memphis at home for homecoming. I'm not sure how good Memphis is. At Cincy. That's, yeah, that's, well, that's just a tough game. At USF. See, I don't think South Florida's all that either. UCF at home. Hmm. Okay. Your favorite trip, East Carolina. Actually, that's a nice town. Yeah, Greenville. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a, it, the time I went yeah. there was actually pretty nice. Houston. Yeah, that's, that's at Houston. No, home. Okay. At Tulsa. November twentieth, right? And they then, just lost. They just lost to somebody. Yeah, they had a bad loss last week. And then Navy, who's not the same. It's as, not a great league. No, it's not. I'm telling you, I mean, Cincinnati's really good, and I'm sure one or two of these other teams are going to turn into eight or nine win teams. I'm, I'm because that's just the way it goes. Whether it's Houston, whether it's UCF, Navy's not that good. Um, by Navy standards, that we, that, you know, from three years ago or four years ago. So I, I mean, Temple. If Temple goes like three and nine this year or four, and, and I'm not saying they're going to, but if they do, that's not good. Nope. They have to be somewhere around six and six. Then I'll say, okay, look, you went from COVID decimated to six and six. You, you got the yep. quarterback for two more years, I believe. Um, okay, you know we can we can do this. All right, you know. We, no, I agree with you. I agree. But you want to go? How about me and you go to the Wagner game, man? What do you think? I think I may actually. Is that when I'm in Chicago? Uh, don't give me that excuse that you're in Chicago. I don't want to hear that crap. <laughs> it's Temple Wagner, baby. I should go down just to see my good friend Rich Berg. Yes, wonderful guy. Rich yeah, that, that's the weekend I'm in Chicago. Now, I'm, I'm missing Wisconsin Notre Dame, and I'm going to miss Wagner Temple. So, and why, I'm missing. Why, why, are you missing and why are you missing Wisconsin Notre Dame? Well, I got family functions. Oh, okay. So you're going out for Navy. I'm going out for Navy. Okay, okay I got you. Right. Uh, and I'm missing Villanova at Penn State. Yeah. That yeah. same weekend. That's a big weekend. I'll tell you what. Notre Dame will be favored over Wisconsin. I, I would think. Oh, no. I, I I mean, look, I don't know what's going to happen in, in, in the month. But I, I will guess that Notre Dame's pro- – that's in Soldier that's Field. That's in Soldier Field. I'm going to guess Notre Dame's going to be close to a touchdown favor. We'll see. They could be unbeaten. I mean, I, they play Cincinnati before then, I think, right? No, they get uh, Purdue next weekend. Yeah. The game, the game they can't lose is the Cincinnati game. Because, and, oh, because and of, of Brian, yeah. 
Well, it'll keep them out of the playoffs. I mean, you, you can't lose that game. I mean, Notre Dame probably can't it, can't lose a game anyway, but but you can't lose that game because that's a team that you could be battling because then that puts Cincinnati since if Cincinnati wins that game, they could run the table. And a 13 and 0 Cincinnati team will get into the playoffs. Barring something really weird, like three SEC teams are sitting there, you know, unbeaten or with one loss or something like that. I'm telling you, they're, they're not going to keep an unbeaten Cincinnati team this year out of the playoff with a win at Notre Dame. That, there's no way that that would happen. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's a tough stretch for Notre Dame. They get Wisconsin, then they get Cincinnati the following week. And then the following week, they have to go to uh, Blacksburg to play at Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not. I mean, their their season's five weeks. Is the, the SEC the USC game on the road or at home? It's at home. That's the following week after Virginia yeah. Tech. Or that's a tough, there's that's a bye a week. Game. There's a bye week in between, but that's the next game after Virginia I mean, Tech. If Brian Kelly wins all four of those games and gets Carolina the following week after USC. Well, okay. Well, then five games. I see. I find it hard. That's why I said before the year when we were talking. I said. I thought Notre Dame was like a ten-win team, which is good. They're, they're not, you know, you say that probably gets them to a New Year's Six Bowl. I think Notre Dame and Penn State are kind of like the same team. I think they're they're, they're about a ten-win team. I wasn't sure about Penn State until they got, but once they got past Wisconsin, you, you, you know, they got to go to Iowa, they got to go to Ohio State. That they're they're tough. I get that, but you know, they they should be in that range. And Notre Dame. Yeah, that's. I don't think they're a playoff team. I don't think they're that. But I think they're pretty good. I think they're. And but the problem with Notre Dame is, a lot of Notre Dame people once they, they, they once they say you're only going to win nine or ten, they get like, spoiled. Oh God, okay. Yeah, they get spoiled. I, I'm not. There's no doubt on. It. I will say, Mike, if they get past that North Carolina game and they're somehow undefeated. Oh, oh, oh no! They're going oh, to the playoff at that point because they got oh, Navy at Virginia, Georgia Tech at home, and then at Stanford to wrap it up. Jeff Collins will. Jeff Collins. Will. No, no, now, no. If they get through there unbeaten, they they're going to play. They'll probably be ranked third. Uh, they'll be in the top four. I don't know where they'd be in the top four because it depends. Like, is Oklahoma unbeaten? Is Alabama unbeaten? Is they'd be ranked ahead of Clemson? I would think. Yeah. Oh, Clemson's loss is a good loss. I mean, I'm not knocking that. Um, yeah, know, but I'm not sure Clemson's going to have enough good wins either. That's the problem right, with Clemson right. going forward here. Well, is, Clemson's going to play Carolina too. They're they're going to play, um, you know, they might play VTech too. They they might play some of those same teams. But I think, and actually, look, this is going to sound really stupid. Notre Dame, if they beat Cincinnati, that could turn into a huge win. It is. If, if Cincinnati goes twelve and one, and their only loss was at South Bend. And, South, and and Notre Dame was the team that beat them, that's going to carry a lot of weight, you know, with the committee, with whatever, with, you know. By, um, by the way, Clemson does not play a ranked team the rest of the season. Carolina's not ranked? Carolina, they don't play. They don't play Carolina this year. Nope. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought they did. They um, play Georgia Tech, NC State, BC, Syracuse at, on the road, Pitt on the road, Florida State's as close as I think they'll get to a ranked team. At Louisville, Connecticut at home. Holy God, what will that spread be? No Miami? No. Yeah, they, and see, and that, look, I have, look. I, I, so Clemson could run the table, and Clemson has a strong shot of still being left out because there's going to be nobody I, on there I, that. I agree with you. And, but, and it's, look, I respect the hell out of what Dabo's done down there. 
You you can't make that up. He's won two national titles. He's been in national another national title games. Whatever. He, it's tremendous. But their league sucks. Right oh, now. it's awful. It's just it's you know, you know I mean Carolina probably will emerge as the second best team. You, I'm guessing before it's all over. Do you know who had the best weekend for the ACC last week? Wake Forest. How about Florida State? Well, yeah, yeah, you're right, but. Yeah, moral victories are moral victories. I mean, moral victories are moral victories, but Florida State had the best weekend of anybody that, like, people yeah, wanted but, to talk about. Yeah, but and that's why, like, when some people take shots at Bama sometimes, like, like look, they're playing Mercer this week. I get it. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. You're giving yeah, they also money. have, like, seven games. Yeah, exactly. I, I never want to hear people take shots at any – Alabama knows they're going to have to play three or four really, really, really good SEC teams before – I mean, they – you know, everybody's talking about Alabama running the table, right? Like, yeah, you listen to ESPN. Oh, this is great. They have to go to Florida. In two, yeah. two weeks. They might next weekend. Like three touchdowns because they're that good. But you got to go to Florida. Yeah, you got to go there. And really t- they th- go to Texas A&M. Yep. Um, they get Auburn at some point. At, at Auburn. Okay. Uh, try and think. They get that. LSU. Now, they get LSU this they year. They get LSU this year, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. That, that, now they get LSU at home, but they still have LSU. Well, you got to play somebody at home. But I'm saying, if Clemson had, now look, Clemson played Georgia. I gave him all the credit in the world. But if Clemson had to go through, you know, Florida, LSU, AM, and and that other two, whatever the other team was we mentioned, you know, they might lose a game. Yeah, they, I mean, and Alabama might lose a game. And oh, by the way, they still have Miss, Mississippi. And Mississippi's not a pushover. Uh, no, hey, look. When Alabama loses, it's usually the game you didn't expect them to lose. No, you're right. It's not the game, you know, it's always that that 7-5 and five team or 8-4 and four team that just plays great. I mean, Mississippi gave him a great game last year, if I remember. It was a couple, no, it might have been a couple years ago. Florida was the team that gave him a great game last year. They, yeah. they, 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 they stayed with him point-wise. They lost by like 7 or 10. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, Clemson could very well go 12-1. and one. And depending on what happens, because look, if Georgia only loses once, they're not going to get in ahead of Georgia. No. Uh, if Georgia loses once and the losses to Bama, you know that might mean Bama's getting in ahead of them too. Uh, then you got to deal with the Ohio State factor, and you got to deal Oklahoma. with the Oklahoma factor. And you hate saying it. If Notre Dame goes undefeated, Notre Dame's in there. Well, they'll, well, they'll get in ahead of they'll get right. In. One loss, one loss. Notre Dame might not get ahead of, in ahead of one. No, Clemson. no. But if Notre Dame get is undefeated, then that's a given that Notre Dame's going to go ahead of Clemson oh, at this it, point. If if Notre Dame or Cincinnati go unbeaten, yeah, you got to take I, them. I, I can't <clears> see either one of them not getting, and obviously they both can't, and especially Notre Dame because they're Notre Dame and, right. and they should. It's it's you know if they beat those teams, but I'm telling you, if Cincinnati somehow can win at South Bend. I'm not sure they can, but they're really good. They're a good team, right. uh, and they've run the table. You got to give them a shot. All right, you let, have to. Let me let me get to the NFL here. Um, let me just hit a little background music. All right, um, I'm going to give you the first game, okay? And I'm going to take the Washington Football Team. Laying a point and a half. The Chargers right now are uncertain about Austin Eckler's. Aren't they? Aren't they getting a point and a half? Or they're, they're giving, they're a, giving point a, point a point and a half. Okay. Okay. Unsure about Austin Eckler's status uh, are the Chargers. It's tough for a team coming cross country. One o'clock start, and I think Washington's defense is really good. It is good. And 
look, I, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Washington on the basis that I think that Washington's defense will hold Justin Herbert under wraps and they win this one. So I'll lay the one and a half, which is basically a pickle game. I, I would go, I would go with you. I I, I mean I'm, I'm not in love with any really that many games, but I would go with you. I'm I'm going to give you an over under. Okay. I don't do this right. <laughs> Arizona Tennessee over fifty two, or at least that was the last number I saw. Tennessee's defense ain't that good. They're oh, a good oh, football. Fifty three is the number now. Okay, but their defense isn't that good. And Arizona, I think, is going to score some points. And I think Tennessee is going to score some points. So if the game gets into the high 20s, mid to high 20s, they're going to go over. And I, I, I think because it, I think that's going to be a pretty good game, by the way. Um, you know, two teams, obviously Tennessee has aspirations. Arizona has aspirations. Uh, you know, they're both kind of like the fourth, fifth, fifth best. Well, Tennessee is like the fourth, fifth best team in the conference, maybe. I'm not sure. Arizona's that good, but we'll see. But I'll take the over in the Arizona-Tennessee game. And, and there's a, you know, the, the one guy that was looking for, like, underdogs that could win outright. I mean, yeah. Arizona could win that game. Outright. He was looking more for college, but I, I, I know. You know, um, you know Mercer, I, Mercer over Bama. <laughs> that, that, that's the one. That, that would be the greatest upset ever. I'll take the Packers. You're right. I'll take the Packers laid to three and a half against the Saints in Jacksonville. Is that down to three and a half? It's down to three and a half. See, you're you're big. See, I liked Green. I looked at that in my first. That was my first inclination, also, to go with Green Bay. Mm-hmm. But the money, I guess, is going on on New Orleans. Wow, that's interesting. Because I think if, I think that Rodgers is going to have a really good year, and I just don't know what to make out of New Orleans. I just I just don't know what to make. Well, I, and I, I don't I like I don't like Winston in this spot. I, I think that you know the one thing the Packers do well defensively, and it's, they don't do a hell of a lot well defensively, is but they force turnovers, and Jameis yeah, Winston turns the ball win. over left and right. Game. They're going to win this game if they win it because they out they just score thirty some points. And I'm also going to yeah. Well, that's the other thing. I think Aaron Rodgers will come in. He's got to burr up his rear end over the whole con- the whole off season thing. Yeah. The other the other the other part of this too, and and don't this is not trivializing what's going on. The Saints haven't been at home in two and a half weeks. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And I think you know the the wandering uh, the traveling road show can can wear on a team, and I'm not sure the Saints are going to be ready to go this. And week. and Michael Thomas isn't playing. And, yeah, and, and, there, there's enough there's enough there to go with the Packers. Now there's like now I got a few games here. Let's go. See. And, it kind of, and the line has come down in this one. So I like I like the Raiders. I, I think the line is down to like four. It is four because the Baltimore's they're so getting I like four before all the injuries. I think the Raiders can win that game. Oh, I think so uh, now, absolutely. I'm not, a big Ra- I'm not a big Raider fan, and I respect the hell out of John Harbaugh. I really do. I think he does a great job, and I know the quarterback can kill you at times. But I'm telling you, I I, I would take the Raiders in the points. Well, uh, you know, you lose. Your top two running backs, you have an offensive lineman who's out, and you also have your best defensive back and Marcus Peters who's not going to play either. And I think Grudog sees this as this is a big game for the Raiders. Yeah, it's not many times you play week one, but boy, if they can beat a good team like Baltimore, yeah, you know, to start out, and you know, that's and he's Grudog, talked about Grudog the pressure and he's talking about the pressure he's under because of the fact yeah, that they yeah. haven't performed well under him. Yeah, they haven't. Um, I'll give you another one. Go ahead. And I don't know what. Now, here's the thing. I have three games. I don't know whether these fit into the teaser category because I don't think these teams are going to lose. But I'm, 
I kind of like the Carolinas against the Jets. The line is like five. Four and a half. Four and a half. Okay. I kind of like the Rams against the Bears, which is like a touchdown. It might even be a little more. I love that game, actually. I love that game outright. I love the Rams. But I would think about teasing it, but but I'm just saying, I I don't like the Bears at all. I I think the Bears are, you know. Until Justin Fields comes in, no matter what the Bears do at this point, it's not going to matter. Well, I just think the Rams are a pretty good football team if Stafford says, hey, I um, finally got a chance to play with a good team, right. and I, I think they're home. I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to win it. And, and the other game I was thinking about teasing, but I think I would stay away from it now the more I think about it. I just think Matt Rule, this is a game you got his quarterback going up against his former team. I don't know how much that plays into it. Or Jets are playing a rookie quarterback, I guess, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, rookie quarterback in his first game. But the KC's, I don't think Cleveland's going to go to KC and win. Now, the line is six. Five and a half. Five and a half. Okay, and I know there's that hangover thing from teams that don't win the Super Bowl, but the Chiefs did win the Super Bowl the year before that. I don't know if there's been a team that won the Super Bowl and then lost the I, I don't know. I'd have to go back. I guess Green Bay with uh, Favre when they lost to Denver after they won would, would be an example of that. But I, I, I just don't see Cleveland going to KC. I know they played real well during the playoff game last year, but I just don't see this happening. I, I just don't. I think Andy's going to have his team ready to play. All right. I'm, I'm I, still not sold on Mayfield. I, I have two other games that I, that I want to lay on you here. Okay? Uh, one, I'll take the Seahawks. I'll lay the three against the Colts this weekend in Indianapolis. Now you're going, well, Kev, he just said team come from west to east and everything. The Colts have basically had no preseason. You know, you had the, the Wentz injury. You had your top offensive lineman injured. All this. And you're going to try to put it together on the fly here. They have COVID issues as well. I just think this is a bad, bad spot for the Colts to start the season. And I think the Colts will be. I think the Colts will be better. Seahawks did not play well second half of last year. I understand it, and And I don't even know if that has anything to do with what. I I understand your reasoning. I'm not. I I I get your reasoning, And, and this is a big game for the Colts because. You know, you got Wentz. You know, you got all you say, hey, we need a quarterback. You got a quarterback. And if you don't win this game, you know. Quarterback who had a shitty year last year and who's going to feel some pressure if you don't start out. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, And the other game, and and, and I say this, and and I say this with all due respect to anybody that may actually bet this. Oh, I know what you're going to talk about. Jacksonville. The Houston Texans are three and a half point home underdogs to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and Jacksonville stinks. And Jacksonville stinks. No, I, I, you can't play Houston. You can't. I, I, you can't. It's now, almost you, physically impossible to put money on the Texans. Now, they're going to cover some games this year. They may even win a couple games. Who knows? This is one of the games they could win, obviously, because Jacksonville ain't that. But it's it, it's just amazing to me that a Jacksonville team that I don't really feel too good about, you know, who knows what the court is favored by three and a half. And you got Deshaun Watson sitting on the bench, you know, probably for the whole year. I mean, I'll tell you what, if you're Indianapolis and you're Tennessee, you play in that division. Yeah. You better go 4-0 against those two teams. You should. Because in, in your race to get a playoff spot, either to win, that you got to go 4-0. Yeah, you do. 
You do. Absolutely. That's like a free, that's like a free 4-0. Yeah. Whereas if you're Buffalo, you know, at least you got to play New England twice. You got to play Miami twice. Okay, you get a break against the Jets. But, I mean, I mean, that that's a god-awful game. Yeah. That is a other than the fact that it's Urban Meyer's first game, and, and Trevor Lawrence's first, first game. game yeah. I understand all that. I, I would. I, I agree with you. I think I would have to go with Jacksonville. Yeah. So that is our Week One NFL picks and our Week our Week Two college football picks. Even though we didn't pick Week One, so following is based on a true story. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk to Glenn Mack now. Uh, and share some memories of Big Daddy Graham. That's next. Work on the Beat continues after this. Is your daddy, and what does he do? When you're smiling, when you're smiling, when you're smiling, when you're smiling, I'm holding smiles of you. And when you're laughing, oh, you're laughing, oh, when the sun comes shining through. When you're crying, you bring on the rain. Stop your side, won't you be happy again? When you're smiling, keep on smiling. And the world will smile. heard by now uh one of the true institutions in philadelphia both in comedy and in sports talk radio uh passed away uh on wednesday on thursday rather uh, when big daddy graham uh passed away uh, it's been a tough couple years for big daddy who had some medical issues but he is one of the true characters and i kept thinking about who is a good person to go to to talk about big daddy and I figure a guy he wrote a book with is probably a good character person on this one. So joining us from 94 WIP, he's also going to host the Eagles pregame sh- uh, show once again this year. I think it's year 20 for that. And uh, w- w- part of the best radio show, the Saturday and Sunday uh, little gathering with uh, Ray Dininger in the mornings. It's Glenn Mack now. Glenn, how are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you, Kev? I'm Very good. Nice Thanks for joining us on a short notice, obviously. I, I, I guess the first question is the obvious one you know, that you always have in a situation like this. When you first met him, what, what was your instant reaction? <laughs> well, I heard him before I ever met him, right? And um, I heard him when down the dial 1210 um, aimed to start a sports station to compete with WIP Geez, how many years ago now? 25 years ago? Something like that. Yeah, it was right around 94, 95, I think, right after the Phillies. Um, uh, the right. Phillies. And they, they had this show with Neil Hartman and Scott Graham and this other guy, Big Daddy Graham, who I, hadn't, I, I wasn't privy to the local comedy scene. I didn't know who he was. And I turned it on. And, I, you know, I know Neil. Neil is, is great. And, and Scott Graham is great. And then all of a sudden there's this guy on the side like, and so listen to this. And I'm thinking, who the hell is this guy and how they let him on the radio? Like, how... It's the worst voice I've ever heard on the in the history of radio, um, but he was funny, and he, you know, those guys are talking sports, and he's cracking jokes, and so I thought this is an interesting character. Um, I met him when he started doing uh, overnights, and actually at the beginning 
um, they would have him kind of do different shifts around different day parts. So when I was, who was I working with then? I guess still Jody, uh, maybe. And Jody would go on vacation and he would come in and fill in. And I just thought he was a kick. I just thought he had a unique perspective on everything. There was never anything about him that was cliche. There was never anything about him that was boring. You could go to him on any subject, and it may not be an informed opinion, but it was was a strong opinion. And I always thought from the first time that the guy was – he was a hoot, and he was also – somebody who is a much deeper thinker than people maybe gave him credit for. Well, and you were doing nights at one point and when the Phillies or the, the, well, the Phillies weren't on 94 at that point, but it was the Flyers and the the Sixers were both on 94 and you would do that 10 PM to, I think it was 1 AM at that. It was one back then. They had pity on me. Yes. They didn't make me work till two. (laughs) And you would do crossovers. And, and, And it's funny. I saw Ruben Frank mentioned this on Facebook yesterday. His crossovers were some of the longest things in radio history. <laughs> you know what? Well, it's true. And listen, I get it because I'm on till one. Like I come on, it would be after a Flyers or Philly, a Flyers or Sixers game. So that would be like I'd get on around nine thirty, right? A seven o'clock game, I get on about nine thirty. I would do post games for right. those teams, and then I would do the show. And so I'm doing like three and a half hours and getting off, and he's doing one to 5.30. He's doing four and a half hours in a much tougher shift. And so his goal was to keep the prior host on as long as he could in order to fill less time, understandably. Um, But it's 1 o'clock in the morning, and I want to go home to bed. (laughs) So... You know, he'd, he'd come in, whatever, 12.55, and we'd start talking, and he'd open a subject, and I'd kind of like, yeah, well, that's pretty good, okay, and then he'd open another subject, and I'm trying to wrap it up, <laughs> and the one thing that would always drive him nuts is as soon as I would start gathering up my stuff, right, I'm putting my, well, I guess I didn't have an iPad back then, it was like right. putting my notebook, putting my pens, putting my stuff away. Newspaper he, clippings, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'd get pissed off because he knows you're trying to leave and he doesn't want you to leave. So, so he'd go like, okay, I guess you're done here. So goodbye. And he'd say it on the air and he'd be pissed. And then, you know, as you're leaving, he'd be, he'd be fine within a minute. But yeah, Ruben had it right. Big daddy's goal was to, Hey, if I would have stayed there till five in the morning, he would have been delighted. And this is kind of inside baseball, but there is an FCC requirement that you have to run a station ID at the top of every hour. Yeah. I think it's within, Five minutes? Two minutes or five minutes or right. whatever. It's, it's got to be close to the top of the hour. I, right. I swear to God, the one time I was in there for an overnight, Big Daddy's top of the hour ID came about 2.20 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I get, I get overnight. Got, yeah, I was just going to say, overnight you have a little more leeway. but Yeah, the FCC's got bigger issues to worry about. <laughs> but, yes, that is technically the rule as you're supposed to get to it within a few hours. Although it can be as simple as – Somebody saying you're listening to 94 WIP in Philadelphia, blah, 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 and then it's done. So you we have over time, you know, sometimes just incorporated into the conversation. But that was always my way of trying to get out of there is, you know, I point to the producer and I say, you know, hit the top of the hour, hit the top of the hour. And then I <laughs> I could gracefully or at least try to get out. Glenn Mack now joining us. So how did the idea of the, uh, of the, the great book of Philadelphia sports list come about with him? 
Um, it was actually his idea, which was great. I had written um, several books, and for whatever reason, I always ended up writing books with somebody else, um, which was fun for me. And so I wrote a book with Anthony Gargano, and I wrote a book with Ray Dinger. I wrote a book with George Anastasia. And um, Big Daddy – listen, the thing about Big Daddy, I'm going to digress for a second, is he was such a creative force. He did record albums. He mm-hmm. wrote stage plays. He, in his later days, did podcasts. He was always looking to do something new and different creatively, which is, to me, very admirable. He was, he was a content creator, and so – he wanted to write a book, but he didn't think he had the the, the background or um, he would say, I don't know, I have the skill to do this. So uh, he was always a list guy, right? right? I mean, if you listen to his show ever, he was always a list guy. So he, he came up with the idea, let's do a book of lists. And it wasn't a tough sell for me. Um, I think at the time I wasn't working on any real side projects. I really liked the guy. List book seemed fun. You know, get people to buy it, put it in their bathroom. Sure. And and so we conceived it. The thing about it was he and I had a very different idea of what the book should be, which I didn't learn until after we got the contract to write it, which is I wanted to do stuff that involved a little bit of research and, you know, a little bit of history and a little bit of writing chops. And he said, like, let's do 10 things I hate about SEPTA. And it's like, well, what, are, what does that have to do with it? It's like, nothing, but I already have that gig that I already have that joke in my routine. So it's like, oh, okay. Well, and you can only stop at 10 on stuff you hate about SEPTA at that point. <laughs> no, but- I remember one of them was when the guy sitting down to you, sitting down next to you, sits down next to you and opens up a hoagie with onions. It's like, <laughs> all right, well, I. I didn't know this was the book we were going to write. Yeah. Hey, whatever. It was funny. It Listen, the thing is, whatever it was he funny. did was yeah. funny. So I, it doesn't matter what it's about. If it's funny, sure, put it in the book. Why well, not? I mentioned this, that that he was, you were talking about this. He was, he would sometimes like have his material and everything. But if you introduce some new material, Adam, like he, like a couple times, uh, the one story I, I tell that my buddy my buddy noticed he would he would do an ad for Seattle City because he loves mm-hmm. Seattle City and every, oh, everybody yeah. knows how much he loves Seattle. And he would always the way he would say it is it's the best Jersey Shore town in Jersey. Okay. <laughs> and, okay. And I went to him. I'm like, you know that's repetitive. And he goes, What do you mean? I go, Where the hell else is there a Jersey Shore town but Jersey? He goes. You're thinking too hard. Like that. Just like that little shove, like, this is my gig. Don't ruin it. You know, yeah, like I don't that. Know. He, he, um, he was very, um, He. what's funny is, for a guy who was as good as he was, he was always very nervous about it. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, and I get, listen, I get butterfly, little butterflies before every single show. And I think that probably serves me well, right? I just don't ever want to coast. But he... Always was nervous. I had the chance to um, MC some of the two funny Philly guy shows that he right. did with Joe Conklin. And so, you know, you're hanging around backstage ahead of time at the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville, right? Mm-hmm. And and Conklin's just kind of uh, pacing around, you know, mumbling to himself his, his material, his line, and, you know, the Harry Callis and, and so on. And then um, Big Daddy would sit back there behind stage and usually with, uh, you know, whoever's running the theater and I would just kind of be there watching. 
And he was nervous about everything. It's like, ah, I don't know if my material's that good tonight. And it's like, oh, of course it's good. It's going to be great. It's like, ah, that, how's the sound system? I'm not, I don't <laughs> think it's a good sound system. Like, the sound system's fine. And, he, and he, anytime I saw him perform, this is not so much on the radio, but when I saw him perform um, in front of a, an audience, he was nervous. And then he would just go out and he would be great. You know, and it's like, as soon as he was on the stage, whether he was nervous or not, he was funny and he was smart, but he was never, never comfortable. Ah, not comfortable. That's not the word. He never took it for granted, I guess. And, and I think the one thing, you know, the one thing that I, I noticed, he, he, he was, that's a tough shift. And I don't think people understand how tough that shift oh. is because you're not getting callers. Most of the time, unless there's yeah, not big, getting I mean, as many callers, right. certainly you can't you can't rely on callers. That's correct. So he had to build in his own his own elements of it, which was you know snack in the night, babe of the night, uh, sauna in the night, all that, which killed time and it filled the gap, especially that gap between you know at two o'clock you may get the guy who's straggling home from the bar who was upset about a six or a flyer game or whatever going on. And then oh. you get the, then you get the early, then you get the early yeah. risers about four thirty five o'clock. Going right. Who, the by Angela the way, show. can be great callers. Those they can the be people who are like going to work at the bakery at four something in the morning or just, they can be terrific callers, but yes, your point is well taken, and, and, but yeah, go ahead. No. And the other part, and he mentioned this at times, I don't know. I, I know he mentioned it to me. I don't know how he, if he's talked about it with you, the physical toll, of sleeping backwards in the sense of, you know, oh, yeah. it, oh, that yeah. he felt it took when he did get sick with the cancer before everything happened uh, with obviously the, 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 the blood, the blood situation in his spine. He felt it took a physical toll on him after a while. Oh, no question about it. Um, I don't know how these guys do it. I don't know how Angelo and those guys do it. You know, Angelo gets up at three in the morning and goes to bed at seven. I mean, right. I guess, I guess you could get used to that at some point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Big Daddy's working when everybody else is sleeping. So, right, he's doing his show prep at whatever, 10, 11 at night, and then he's working until 5.30 in the morning, and then he's driving home. And then, I mean, I, I always found it was very difficult to go to sleep right after a show um, because you're still kind of wired. So I always would need a good hour, hour and a half when I worked until 1 in the morning. I wouldn't get to sleep until 2. And then it's really tough to sleep during the daytime because, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know if he made his room completely black, but it's really hard to sleep when the sun's out and the world's going on and, and it's, mm -hmm. it's just challenging. You're definitely not getting seven, eight hours of sleep a night. Plus with him, he that was only part of his gig. He was still doing comedy. Quizos and yeah. Right. He was and he was doing TV like he would leave. His show, and then he would walk over. This is when we were downtown. Fox TV 29 was like Across a block away, and he would go right. and do a hit with them, and then he would go do this, and then he would have that. And, he, and one thing that I know Joe Conklin told me is Eddie never, ever would turn down a gig. Like, you know, he would never say, like, nah, that's a bad time for me to do it. I can't do it. He would always work. He's a guy who grew up. Um, you know, without any advantages, uh, didn't have much of an education, but he had a work ethic like I never saw. And he hustled and worked his way up from nothing into a pretty good life um, and, you know, helping out his family. And he did it, well, he did it through two things, tremendous talent mm -hmm. and just a work ethic like I've 
I, I, you know, you see in few people. I really admire. Could he have worked at another day part? Yeah, I think he could have. Um, part of the problem, I think, is he was so good at that that they would never think about putting him another right. day part. You know, it was, it was the curse of being good at one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, I don't want to dismiss those things he did. They weren't just time fillers. When no. he did the snack of the night, it was really entertaining. Yeah. Um, whoever thought that somebody could make it fun and interesting to literally sit there and eat a tasty cake on air and describe it. It sounds ridiculously stupid, but it was great. And he used to do a thing. What was it? it wasn't back in the day. I forget it was when we were kids tell, or something. Tell us about your childhood. Was the, uh, Yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. And and it would be like, you know, hey, remember when we were seven and like your car would be going in the snow and you'd like grab onto it and go for a ride? It's like, God, yes. Um, and it appealed. And um, he, he, he did all the music stuff. He knew music yeah. better than. I would think more than a handful of people who work at local music stations. His pod, his podcast was incredible. When it was he, great. It was, it was awesome. Really great. Yes, hundred best albums, hundred favorite albums, um, and which was also interesting because he didn't have the license to play the music, so he would talk about the music without playing the music, and you would still find it interesting. Um, but yeah, he was he was an original, creative guy who. In the middle of night, it was great because, Kevin, here's the thing. If you turn on radio, if, if you want to hear somebody talking on radio during the night, okay, you don't want to just listen to music or something. Sure. It's like conspiracy theory crap or, you know, UFO stuff. It's just like way mm-hmm. crazy oddball stuff. The Jimbo Hannon, what Larry King's show used to be where you would, like, get every kind of wacky guy call in right yeah but now it's not even that now listen larry king at least larry king could I do an interview. On. Yeah. now it's like some crazy conspiracy theory overthrow the government you know kind of thing mm-hmm. um it, it's just angry now it's angry people yeah. okay but big daddy was fun and he was funny and he was so good and clever during the night that yeah i think it kind of hurt his chances to ever get another day part you you guys re-released the book uh, two years ago, and it's it, yeah. it's funny to, to think about it because two years ago at Christmas, you guys had the party over in Jersey, and, yeah. and it's like before the world shut down. It was I almost think of it as almost one of the last big gatherings everybody yeah. had. Um, and I know how much that night meant to him, and seeing all the people that showed up, Fransky in L.A. and all his IP friends and and yeah. everybody. Can you talk Dan about Baker what, and Lou Nolan? Yeah. And, yeah well, Can you yeah. talk about what that night meant to him? Yeah. So we 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 had done the book, and then he he spoke to somebody at the publishing company who expressed interest in like revive. It was thirteen years later, and it's like you know why don't you redo the book again? And 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 he came to me, and I I really didn't want to do it. I, it's just like yeah, you know, been there, done that. I don't want to do it. And so he took me out to dinner and he basically twisted my arm until he talked me into it. And that was fine. And I actually enjoyed doing it more than I thought a second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we finished the book right before he had his uh, episode at the Jersey Shore where he ended up paralyzed. You know, just I, mean, I think people know walking down the beach with his wife, he got a pain in his back, went home, 
lay down on the floor, never got up again. It was it's like just this horrific thing that happened to him. But we finished the book very shortly before that. And then this happened to him. And then the book comes out a couple months later, right? We finished the book in I think July. I think when I and we finished the book in June, what happened to him happened in July. The July, book right. Out in December. And um some people I work with, um, I do some work for a local PR company called Seisler Media, and they're just great, great people. And when they heard I had a book, um, and I think that I did it with Big Daddy, they said, like, let's let's do a, a, a book release party. And I thought, wow, that's very nice. And they paid for it. And um, Jim Friss uh, over there in, in Jersey said, Let, let's put it on here. Um and I just started trying to line some people up who had written chapters in the book, like Ricky Ricardo wrote a chapter, and you mentioned L.A. and Fransky wrote a chapter for us. One of the things that I learned from Big Daddy is if you can get other people to do your work, it's always It's always, <laughs> it's always better. Yes. So then we would go to other people and say, hey, you know, Scott Fransky, can you write us a story? Can you write us a chapter in your 10 favorite memories broadcasting the Phillies? And he said, yeah. And it's like, wow, thank you. One, one less that I have to write. So um, – I think because it's Big Daddy, everybody wanted to come out and just show how much they loved him when he was going through a tough time. Now, nobody knew at that time, this was whatever, six months after it occurred to him, right. um, how serious and permanent it would be with him. But still, you know, this is a guy who's our friend and even people who didn't know him, you know, I mean, Larry Anderson, I'm sure, has listened to Big Daddy headed home from the ballpark at yeah. least a few times, right? And so... um all these people came out, and um, it was just really lovely. Um, he and I talked about the book, and they served food. And um, some of the people we got there, you know, got up and just talked a little bit about their chapters or whatever. And we um, we, we sold tickets really cheap. We just wanted people to come, and they got a copy of the book, and they got a meal. Mm -hmm. and, um, I know that he was really touched by it because, you know, Big Daddy – he he got out to do Quizzo and he got out to do his his stand up and he's in the studio and he's at the shore. But I, I think I think he didn't know how much people really loved and appreciated him. Yeah. So when all these people came out that night and and like we sold 150 tickets, which is 150 books, probably more. Some people bought two and he's signing autographs and signing autographs and everybody's saying, hey, Big Daddy, we love you. You know, get back. You know, we really need you back on the air. We really need you back on the scene. And I know he was really touched by it. I know he was really exhausted by it. I know his wife was, you know, very worried about how we would hold up that night. She, when when we got there, she said, I don't know. I think he might have an hour or two in him. And four hours later, he's signing autographs because it gave him an energy that he hadn't had since his, since his episode. So it was... Um, yeah, Kevin, it was it was a night that I'll always cherish because of um, how we got to how we got to spend that time and and how much it meant to him. And uh, you know, it's one of those things that obviously, you know, he was in he was housebound for a long time before that too. I think he had just yes. gotten his van at that point, correct, uh, to to get around. And I think seeing people, it was at a time also, and, and you know, he was having trouble. He was having trouble. Not just with the physical end of it. I mean, he was having trouble with the emotional end of feeling no isolated question. and all no that. Question. And, and it, it, it gave him such a lift yeah, that it I helped him really, fight through. I was delighted by it. Um, uh, you summed it up really well. It really gave him a lift, and, and I, was, I was entirely delighted by it. Glenn Mack now is 
joined us uh, to have some memories of Big Day Graham. This is how many years for you on the Eagles pregame show now? I should I should uh, ask. This. You said twenty, but I actually think it's my sixteenth. Okay. It's close. In, well, you've talked about it for over 20 at this point. I mean, you know. Uh, I did post games before I did pregame. Okay. So I've been I've been doing Eagles pre and post games for, geez, since Ray Rhodes. I can tell you that much. Yeah, you got a gut feeling about this year? Yeah, but I, I don't think their record is as important this year as how they develop. So to me, this year is analogous to the first year of Andy Reed mm-hmm. and the first year of Andy Reed, they went five and 11 and people were pretty upset about it. If you remember, they were three and 11 and then they won the last two against the Patriots and the Rams who were both kind of already in the playoffs and, and rested their regulars. So it was, it was not a very good season. Um, but it, it was because for Andy, it was a developmental season and they got McNabb and it's, you know, mm-hmm. it was a building season and I kind of view this the same way. I mean, I, I'll give you a number. I think they'll go maybe seven and nine, give or take a game. I don't think they'll be awful, awful. I don't think they'll be. F- it's so hard to do the math when it's 17. Well, well, 17 it's so games. funny. I'm so used to 16 over the years. It's like, you know, like, it just comes I, natural. I, I, but I don't, think, I don't think they'll be four and 13. Well, uh, but I also think people who say they're going to win 10 games are smoking something that I'd like to get. <laughs> um so if they win seven games, but at the end of the year, we believe that Nick Sirianni knows how to coach. And at the end of the year, um, there's reason to believe that Jalen Hurts can be a good starting quarterback. That's a success to me. And to me, it's almost like I want to see how you finished. Yeah, they have the five games at the end against the division opponents. Mm-hmm. Play well then. Finish yeah. on a hot note because you're going to get swamped early. You could beat Atlanta. You could go to D- – although after watching Dallas last night, I'm not sure you can go to Dallas. I'm yeah, gonna- boy, I and I was somebody who kept saying – because, uh, you know, I'm watching Hard Knocks this year, right? right? Which, by the way, was really boring. But it I'm was. watching Hard Knocks with the Cowboys. And Dak's not throwing, and he's not throwing. And I'm buying into, like, you know, there's really something wrong with that shoulder. <laughs> then he comes out. And he fires he 50, for 54 times. Yards, yeah, so. and, 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 and fires 54 or 55 times. Yeah, I know. So apparently the shoulder's fine. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're nah, you know what? The Cow- I'm, I'm not ready to believe in the Cowboys. I actually think Washington wins the division. I'll, I'll make that that weird pick. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that's out of, out of <clears> bounds <throat> at all. But, I mean, I want to see them play better from Thanksgiving to – the yeah, second week in January. Exactly. That's all I care and that, and about. That's it for me. Um, I will say this: if they don't beat Atlanta tomorrow, it's going to be a really, a really rough September into October because this is the winnable game of them. And, and, um, and especially, especially with the baseball team falling apart too. <laughs> yeah, really. How about that? <laughs> uh, but I'm uh, again. My goal with the Eagles is not that they make the playoffs this year, not that they're great, but that they're better. Yeah. at the end of the season than they are at the beginning, and we, we can believe in the coach and the QB. Yep. Glenn Mack now joining us. Glenn, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for joining us on short notice. Uh, good luck this season, and uh, Thank we'll you. be listening to you on Saturday morning. It's always a pleasure, and, and Kevin, it's really nice that you're uh, that you decided to, to pay homage to Big yeah. Daddy. I, as his friend, I appreciate that. No problem. Uh, Glenn Mack now joining us. Uh, we'll be back on Working the Beat right after this. Thanks to Glenn Mack now for joining us to talk a little bit about Big Daddy Graham, um, who, again, you know, and I, I said this a couple times, 
this week. Uh, I was on with Angelo and then with John Johnson. Uh, just an amazing man and, and an amazing presence. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, there's part of you that understands that he, he has suffered the last couple of years and all that, but, um, and you're happy and I don't know if happy is the right term, but you understand, you know, and you're relieved that the pain and everything that's harmed him is now gone. And, but you feel awful for Ava and Debbie, his wife, who was an amazing caretaker. Um, but you also think back to the great memories you had with him. So, uh, we'll miss you, big daddy Graham. And, uh, so I just wanted to say that. Next week, we're back to uh, Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday, we'll talk, I'm sure, some Phillies here. And then Friday, we'll get into um, we'll get into our football show regimen as we uh, go forward here. Two weeks from now, um, you know, as you've heard, I'm going to be in Chicago. So uh, some of this may be altered. Check your local listings to see if they carry podcast schedules. So that's it for us. Uh, Our thanks again to Glenn Macnow for joining us. Uh, For Mike Kern, I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. Be safe, everybody. Take care.